Well, good morning, everyone. Isn't it amazing, the, the amount of gifts that Evergreen has? Sophie's just one of our many uh, amazing students. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Carlos, and it is my honor to be on the Evergreen team. And I am celebrating some of the things that Sophie mentioned about small groups, because uh, to my knowledge, there are over 50 women that are signed up for this fall's group. That 50 women. Like, they could line up against uh, Glencoe's varsity football team right now. I mean, we have enough positions. They don't, they don't even have to go both ways. That's incredible. Um, the men, we move, a we move a little slower. We're kind of pre precise in our movements. We're more, you know, we're just kind of, so we're getting there. We are getting there. Uh, we have five men's groups that we are excited. We believe that these are going to be quality time together. Some of them are filling up. So men, uh, you can still sign up today. And lastly, I am celebrating the fact that uh, today we are going to have our first night of gatherings for our family dinners. And we have many host families. And so if you're a host family and you're watching online or you're in the room, thank you. Thank you so much. Or if you're the, host, you're the, the guest family, you signed up and you're showing up, thank you. That is just such an amazing thing that's happening. I am excited for chapter 32 and what God is doing. Can I give you some more good news? Yeah? So I want you to meet Nathan. Meet Nathan. Nathan is the newest member of the Evergreen team. Yeah! So if you didn't know, uh, we were hoping to fill a position, and so Nathan is going to come on board, and he's going to be our high school and college age ministries director. And so Nathan, he loves Jesus. He's all about serving Gen Z. We are so excited for you to meet him on Sunday, October 16th. Come prepared to celebrate Nathan. Uh, together with Mikhail, they are going to be this duo, right? Uh, Batman and Robin, right? Uh, Jordan and Pippin. Uh, they're going to be the duo for the e-youth team. And so we're so excited for what God is doing uh, through these leaders and the gifts that he's sending. And we thank you. Thank you because you have prayed and you have partnered with Evergreen. You have, you have been a part of this process. We are a complete team now. How awesome is that? So we're a complete squad. And so because of that, your generosity is more appreciated, more needed than ever. And so thank you for celebrating and partnering in that way, continuing in your tithes and offerings for this chapter 32 season. We celebrate that and thank you for that. Um, so, uh, we are uh, experiencing new things. Uh, we believe uh, that um, we're in uh, this season where God is calling new families to Evergreen. And because we're experiencing those things, we want to we take some time to make sure that we all know who we are and where we're going. And so, one of the tools that I use for that is that I, uh, I tend to wear this shirt and I tend to look in the mirror because it reminds me of why Evergreen exists. Evergreen exists for two things. Uh, number one is to love God, and number two is to love people. If you ever wonder why we exist as a church, there it is right there. Love God, love people. And what we have determined, that one of the best ways we can love people is to be on this mission to help find and follow Jesus, to help others 
find and follow Jesus, not only here, not only near, but also far. And so it is Evergreen's mission, it continues to be, to help people find and follow Jesus here, near, and far. That is straight out of the Bible. That is uh, straight out of the Great Commission. And then lastly, I want to let you know that our vision continues to be to be the best place for kids and youth in Washington County. The best place for kids and youth in Washington County. And that comes straight out of the book of St. Kim Lawless 316, right there. So if you're wondering why that wasn't quoted, St. Kim. And so because we are, uh, we are uh, in this new season, we wanted to make sure that we, we were explaining the why behind the what. Some evergreen Hall of Famers named Jared and Ann Roth used to always tell us, you got to explain the why behind the what. It's one of the Rothisms, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I hope this is not too sacrilegious. This is just a little playful here. What is up with this church? Um, we want to talk about the why behind the what, and really to give you an opportunity to, to know why Evergreen, if you're new or if you're newer, why Evergreen does some of the things that it does. Uh, we want to talk about our values. And so this month, uh, we are, we're, we're just titling our conversations, Why We? Why We? Why don't you turn to a neighbor and say, Why We? Why We? It's kind of fun to say. Today, I want to talk about why we partner. Why we partner. Here's what you need to know. Evergreen is a partnering church. We have this as a value. Uh, we, we have purposeful partnerships that we, consider, um, that we consider to be able to be the best stewardship of our collective time, talent, and treasure. You're going to hear that a lot when we think of giving. We think of time, talent, and treasure. And so Evergreen holds as a core value the belief that we are better together. We are better together. And this value doesn't stay in this room. It doesn't stay on our 16 acres in Washington County. This value actually extends itself beyond the walls of our church with other organizations which we're going to hear more about specifics today. And so we believe in healthy forms of co uh, collaboration. And I just want to say that this is not unique to Evergreen. It's not something that says, hey, Evergreen, uh, this is kind of what sets us apart. We believe that partnering is a kingdom value. It's something that Jesus himself modeled. And that's what I want to explore with you today because we see many instances where Jesus is modeling this value of partnering, of teaming, of inviting others into what he's doing. If you, if, if you haven't heard it directly, I want you to hear this today that you are invited to what God is doing in Evergreen in chapter 32. That his plan includes an invitation for you and your family. 
And we see Jesus doing this, and I want to explore a story where he does this in John chapter 6. So uh, the verses are going to be uh, on the screen, or if you want to read it in your Bible, we're going to just kind of uh, review it um, and just kind of uh, make sure everyone understands what's happening in this Jesus moment. We know that Jesus had a very popular ministry. We knew that he drew cloud crowds. Clouds, not clouds, crowds. He drew crowds, and it was specifically this time because he had been healing the sick. And so because of that, people were coming out from far places to, to reap of this benefit, this ministry that Jesus was having. And so Jesus had a crowd that was gathering towards him when he had this conversation with a couple of his disciples. So we're going to jump in right there. It says in verse 5, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I don't know about you, but I love the questions that Jesus asked. Right? So, he, so he sees this crowd, and then he turns to his disciples, and he asks this question, where are we going to buy the bread for these people to eat? Why am I pausing there? Because I believe that Jesus is doing something that's unique and worthy of our attention. Because Jesus doesn't say, hey, Philip, there's a crowd. What are you going to do, man? Or Jesus doesn't say, hey, Philip, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Watch what I'm about to do. What does Jesus do with his disciple? He makes it a we. He says, hey, we have a challenge here. We have an opportunity here. What are we going to do? Do you see the partnership language? Do you see Jesus didn't just come on earth and say, hey, human beings, get out of the way. Let me fix you. But he actually says, hey, partner with me. Follow me. I invite you to this good work. And so here's this moment. And Philip, I mean, what a question, right? I mean, how would you answer this? So Philip, what does he say? He says, um, well, I do want to point out verse 6 says, he asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus already had a plan. He was just drawing out what was in Philip. And so here's what was in Philip. Philip said, um, verse 7, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And so Philip does the math. He's kind of like many of us in the room. He's very logical. He sees the number of people, and we'll read later that there was 5,000 men. And so wherever there's men, there's also what? I thought some of you were going to say a football game on. <laughs> there's a football game on. There are women and children, and so scholars would say this crowd was like easily 12, 15,000 people. Right? This is a big crowd. And so Philip, he looks at it and he says, it would take... Half a year's wages, a denarii, which meant a day's worth of work. It would take 200 days. In another version, it says 200 days in order for us to feed these people. And would that be enough? No, it would just be a bite. You ever been hungry and just given a bite? The worst. It's the worst, right? And so Philip is looking at this, and he's being honest, and he's using logic, and he does what I think a lot of us do when we face big problems. We think of our resources. We think of our abilities. We limit 
the possibilities. And so Philip, he's, he's, kind of a, he's kind of your typical guy. He's very practical, and he says, you know what, Jesus, I don't think we have what it takes here to feed this crowd. And other versions say that they actually started to recommend, like, we should send them away. How many of you have ever faced a problem, and you're like, man, this problem is just too big? Let someone else take care of it. And so Philip's having this real human moment, but aren't you glad that there are other people in the room sometimes? How many of you have ever been like, like oh, you just, you're, you're excited about like group assignments because you know, like, hey, sometimes I'm limited on the answer and my, my group helps me out? That was me. That was me. And so there's another person that enters the conversation in verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew. Everyone say Andrew. This was Simon Peter's brother. Okay, so we, we know about Peter and about he's famous. He spoke up. It's his brother. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So here comes Andrew, and he gives his response. And his response is interesting. His response still acknowledges that this is a problem, but he offers an option. He says, you know what? Here's this boy and he has a lunch, I, don't, I know that it's not nearly enough to feed the crowds, but Jesus, could you do something with this? And that's the slight difference of attitude between those two disciples in that moment. One said, man, this is a big problem. We don't have what it takes. And the one says, man, this is a big problem, but we have at least this. Do you see the difference? And it's almost as if Jesus is activated. That's all he needs. He just needs that window of faith. I believe what Jesus was doing right here is he was digging out their faith. He was saying, hey, how much do you believe in me? How much are you willing to exercise some faith, get outside of human logic and believe in the person that you've been following, believe in the person that has been doing things that no one has ever done, done the miraculous. They were witnesses of this. And so here's Andrew. He says, hey, this is what we have. Can you work with it? And you know the story. You know the story. We're going to finish it. It says this. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they all sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus, then he took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he began to distribute to those who were seated. Another version says that he gave it to the disciples who gave it to the people, which I think is a beautiful picture of partnership. He distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Nothing, let nothing be wasted so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. How do five loaves of bread become 12 baskets full? They were placed in the hands of Jesus. They were entrusted in more capable, powerful, knowledgeable hands. And that's what it means to trust Jesus, to take what we have, our time, talent, and treasures, and say, hey, God, I'm going to admit it's not much, but could you work with it? And what does Jesus do? He makes it more than enough. 
everyone was satisfied. There was 12 baskets left over. And those of us who know about the number 12, representative of the 12 tribes of Israel and how Jesus is making this connection that he is the God of the Old Testament. And so he's making a bigger statement there. But the point I want to make is that we partner with God with our little because he makes it enough. And so that is why Evergreen is a partner in church. For these reasons, we partner because God has partnered with us. He has modeled it. He has invited us. We partner because we know that on our own, we are far too limited. But we also partner because we know that when they are in the hands of Jesus, our time, talent, and treasure, he makes it abound. That is why Evergreen partners. And so I want to highlight today some of the things that, uh, some of the partners that we are going to continue to partner with during these next few months and into chapter 32. And we're going to begin really by celebrating what I believe is the longest standing partnership with with an organization we know as ARMS. And ARMS exists to help people heal and recover from domestic abuse. And so we're going to show you an introductory video, and then we are going to have a chat with Stacy Womack, the founder of ARMS. And so let's give this uh, opportunity here for a, a video. Hi, I'm Stacy Womack. I'm the founder and executive director of Abuse Recovery Ministry and Services, or ARMS for short. ARMS is a religious nonprofit started in 1997 and incorporated in 1999. We provide programs to help people who have experienced domestic violence and abuse, as well as those who perpetrate it, all from a Christian perspective. Did you know that domestic violence is the number one cause of injury to women in the U.S., and that one in three women have or are experiencing it? Did you know that it's just as prevalent in the faith community as it is in the secular? Did you know that most abuse isn't physical? Through our free victim recovery program called Her Journey, We have served tens of thousands of women in helping them find God's healing and hope across the United States, in Mexico, Kenya, and soon in Canada. This successful program is led by certified instructors through our online training program. This program is translated into Spanish, Russian, and Kiswahili. ARMS continues to expand its reach as God leads. ARMS has also been providing intervention programs for both men and women who use abusive behavior since 2001 and meets the state standards for this type of work in Oregon. ARMS has only a 5% recidivism rate for domestic violence, much better than the national average. We believe that God makes a difference. Abuse Recovery Ministry and Services is considered experts in dealing with domestic violence from a Christian perspective and has earned the respect of the larger domestic violence community. We're here to serve you. We provide training and consultations to the faith community throughout the year and are partnered with CityGate Network, better known as Union Gospel Rescue Mission, as well as national and international pregnancy resource organizations. If you're interested in more information, visit our website at abuserecovery.org, or you can call or email us. You don't have to be an expert on domestic violence and abuse but you should have the tools to recognize the abuse and know how to best serve those God brings to you. We look forward to partnering with you.
great privilege to have our friend and partner, Stacy Womack. Will you help me invite, uh, welcome her to the stage? Thank you, Stacy. Well, <clears throat> Stacy, I just, I want to begin by acknowledging that um, I truly just until last night was able to really kind of get a full experience being at your 25th banquet of what ARMS does. And what an amazing life work that you have said yes to. And so can we just start there? Can you take us back to the beginning and why you've committed your life uh, to this work? It's a big question because it's not enough time to really tell it all, but uh, we've been at Evergreen for over 30 years, raised our kids here, our six kids, and uh, that was really my ministry. In the, in the midst of raising our kids and homeschooling them, uh, God began to call me to ministry outside of, our, of my family, and I'm a pastor's kid, so you know, I had my little safe church, my little safe family, my little safe friends, and, and that I was thinking about that song that uh, God calls us out on the water. Well, God called me out on the water. So he called me into this field of domestic violence and abuse uh, when I knew really nothing about it. And uh, it's, I had no intentions of starting a nonprofit. I was just going to lead a few women through a healing process from abuse. But God had other plans. So here we are today, national and international in the work that we do. Incredible, incredible. It really feels like you just offered God what you had in that moment. And now he's taking you on this journey, and now your organization is now in other countries and in almost every state and just hundreds, thousands of lives that you have now uh, been a part of. So um, can you please uh, take us to now today? So now you've been in the work for 25 years. What, what is the state of dom domestic abuse, particularly after uh, our kind of pandemic experience? So domestic abuse is always present, but when you add stressors to it, uh, you increase the frequency and severity of it. So you can imagine during COVID, uh, domestic violence uh, increased greatly during that time. And by 2021, we were having like weekly calls from women who had been basically trapped at home with their abuser and were suicidal. And this last year, it's been more like everybody, the men and the women that we serve, you know, just really just struggling um, and feeling hopeless and needing God's help in the process. So uh, we're rebuilding from having that time of having things closed, closed down to uh, we've reopened, but we're trying to reopen more of our victim recovery groups called Her Journey. And the, the introductory video did, uh, did a piece on how it's important for us to be able to uh, be able to tell the signs and I know some of the things that I'm learning is that uh, when we think of domestic abuse, it's not just limited to physical abuse. What are some of the other forms of the abuse or signs that we can be aware of? Yeah, when most people define domestic violence or abuse, they think of just physical violence, but actually it's one of the least forms of abuse used. It's the one that people recognize though. The word abuse means the misuse of, so anything can be misused. So we talk about it in our programs um, besides uh, the physical, uh, verbal, psychological, sexual, property, spiritual, animal. Um, because again, anything can be misused to gain power and control in a relationship. So uh, it, it's not about uh, a one-time act. We've probably all said or done something we shouldn't have done that would be considered abusive, but it's really somebody who's using a pattern of behaviors to gain power and control in their intimate relationship. 
So it, it really goes beyond, um, and we don't recognize it because uh, some of it is so prevalent and so common in our culture. And it's often misunderstood for normal marital conflict. And, and if, if uh, women haven't had any education around it, they wouldn't even recognize that it as abuse because they think of it as only physical. And ARMS is uh, more than just uh, ministry serving the victims. You have also made space and courses for those that are abusers. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after we started our Women's Her Journey program, uh, I thought, gosh, what, you know, we're doing something for the women. What are we doing for the men? And so my husband and I began training for domestic violence intervention programs and groups. And so we started that, and it is a place for men to come and share the things they really feel shameful about, but really gain the tools and work through that, gain new belief systems so that they can change their behaviors. Uh, if you don't deal with the beliefs, you're just pulling the top off of a weed. <laughs> it doesn't take long for those behaviors to come back. So uh, we really, we've been doing this work since 2021. No, 2001, sorry. Let me go back here. Uh, and it's, it's hard work, but it's really rewarding. Um, they're male-female co-facilitated, uh, and uh, we, are, um, we receive uh, uh, clients from probation, from DHS, and then voluntary clients as well. And then we have a group for women as well who use abusive behaviors. Well, Stacey, our, our hope this morning was to highlight ARMS and share how Evergreen is continuing to partner but I just want this opportunity for you to share what, what that partnership has meant. What does Evergreen Partnership has meant for you? I'm, I was telling Carlos, I was really excited about getting to share with you because uh, I know that not all of you know me, but you know we've been here a long time and, and Evergreen was really the birthing, a big piece of the birthing of uh, this organization because I started here and it was the people here at Evergreen who supported me, who supported ARMS, who who were all, pretty much filled our banquet hall the first at our first banquet. Uh, and we would not be where we're at today without the support of Evergreen. And so I am so incredibly grateful for the support over so many years and, and how God has used it and, and grown it. So it's just, it means so much to me. And we are so incredibly grateful for Stacy and Jerry uh, for your really lifetime commitment of this work, 25 years, what I would classify as frontline ministry, right? There are ministries and there are frontline ministry. This is the heaviest of the heavy, and you have been faithful. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the example that you're setting for us. And it has been our honor to partner, and I believe. What we're saying today is we want to continue that partnership. And so uh, can we celebrate Stacy and Jerry? Thank you so much. Yeah. And so we want to uh, share how we are partnering this month. Um, so this month is Domestic Awareness Month uh, for our nation. And so we want to take that opportunity and make it a goal. Uh, to raise $5,000 as a church. And so we are inviting you to uh, give of your treasure this month. And here's what you need to know, that for every $75 that we can raise, 
then ARMS can offer the Her Journey program, which is a 15-week recovery and healing and really transformative program. And so talk about money well spent. And so it is our goal that this month, so you're going to have this month to participate, that we would be able to help 66 women. That's 66 lives that we can be a part of. I mean, this is life-saving work. And so we don't limit it to 5,000. There are people in this room or online that we know that God has, uh, can move you to do more, but we are going to set this collective goal. And here's what you need to know, that we have someone in our community that has already generously and thoughtfully committed to matching up to 2,500. And so we're already on our way. Yeah, we can celebrate that. <clears throat> and so... We want our faith to uh, produce action, and so we invite you. We invite you, Evergreen. You've, you've, many of you have given to this cause before. We invite you. Continue to give. We've made it really easy. You can give online, ecc4.org. Drop-down menu, make sure you select arms. If you want to give in person, make sure you designate your giving towards arms. And we know that what we're doing in this action is we're, we're giving Jesus the bread and the fish. And he does the real work. And so that's how we get to participate. Amen? Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I want to just share a couple quick partnerships, things that I want you to be thinking about and planning for. The first one is that on November 19th, everyone say November 19th, yeah. we, are get, we get to go out into this wonderful city that we get to do life in, our, our county, our county seat, the city of Hillsborough. On November 19th, uh, the city is going to put Holly Days. That is their Christmas uh, tree lighting ceremony. Last year, we got to be a part of this event. We have some pictures so that we can be reminded. We, Evergreen, out of all the churches and organizations serving children, we got invited to run the Kids Village. And so you see those blue tents? Those are all evergreen tents. They gave us prime, a prime location so that we could be part of this festival. And our plan, our hope, is to continue to serve kids through sensory activities. And uh, uh, some, last year was a, uh, decorating, a cookie decorating kit. And so we just want families to have a great time. We want that to be absolutely free. And so this is our gift to the community. And it really fills... Like, the city's kind of giving us the keys and saying, hey, you can serve families. And why do we do this? We do this because at this festival, there are hundreds of families that will never step, the, step, uh, step into our building. They won't come to church for a variety of reasons. They will not choose to come here. And so what do we get to do? We get to go to them. We want to be a church that goes out and shines the light. One of my mentors used to say, there are two types of Christians, innies and outies. <laughs> right? Be an outie Christian. We want to be an outie church. We want to be a church that serves our city. And um, so we want you to, um, to save the date, November 19th. That's a Saturday. We're going to need tons of help. Last year, uh, we had 50 volunteers, praise God for that, 50 adult volunteers plus children. We believe that we're going to need double that. We think we're going to need 100 volunteers because 
Um, they are expecting thousands of people to show up at this festival. This is a, a, a city gathering, and we get to play a part of it. And so how cool is that? So mark your calendar. If you can't make it that day, there are other things that you can do prior to that. There's lots of setup um, that you can do, and so we invite you to that. And lastly, something that we want you to already planned for. Now, most of us, we have a Christmas gift list. We have our children. We have our nieces, our nephews. We have our grandkids. We want you to, to leave space for one more. We want you to plan for one of our precariously housed students in our school district. For the last uh, few years, Evergreen has had this opportunity to put together a gift bag for students who are precariously housed in our district. We've already started those conversations, and they've already identified 150 students. And that's early in the school year. We know that that number will grow. And so we're talking about dozens and dozens of students who experienced precariously housed situations, and we get to be a church that says, we've thought of you. We've planned for you. We love you. We see you. And that's who we want to be in chapter 32. And I want to end with this because Jesus, he, he talks about the church and he defines us as in, in Matthew 5 that we are the light of the world. And he says a city on a hill cannot be uh, hidden. And so uh, he then says this. He says, no one, no one takes a lamp. You guys like my lamp? No one takes a lamp. Right? A perfectly, uh, just a little dusty here, I'm sorry. Um, no one takes a lamp and hides it under a bowl. No one does that. No. They take the light. They take the lamp and they put it on a lampstand. Why? So it could give light to the entire house. So evergreen, we are this light but not just in this house, but in this city. We get to move out into our neighborhoods, into our community in the name of Jesus and offer hope, offer dignity, offer healing to be Jesus to a city that desperately needs it. That is who we get to be. And so the invitation, would you partner with Evergreen as we move forward and do the things that God is calling us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, are, we consider our life privilege to follow you, to know you, to call you our God, to proclaim the name of Jesus, to gather and sing, sing these songs and be able to uh, proclaim hope for this world, God, we thank you that we are people who are called for a purpose. We thank you that we do not live uh, in idleness without direction. No, you call us to good deeds, and we celebrate the good deeds that you've done through Stacy and Jerry and their yes to you and through the uh, overseeing of this ministry that has literally saved lives for dozens and dozens and dozens of people, Lord, thousands of people, Lord. And you call us into a city, Lord, not to, just to be a, a church that takes up real estate, but to be your light, to reach out to families that desperately need to know you, God. Lord, you call us to students. We want to be the best place for kids and students, but 
that doesn't just uh, that doesn't just stop with the students that we are related to, but we consider the students who need your love and care and need to be seen during the holiday season. Thank you. Thank you for these opportunities. Help us, move us to participate in them and to experience the joy that comes with saying yes to your invitations. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.